but let's say if it's um, early onset Alzheimer's so they're still with it um, you know very cognitive um, or people wanting to prevent Alzheimer's they certainly understand it and it, it's motivating for them. Was, the reason I was asking was just because so many practitioners think oh it's no use me doing VLA I don't do they don't do fat loss, it's just not my thing. So. Oh, and I use it for everybody. It yeah. doesn't matter if they've got fat loss or, um, you know, obviously I use it with weight loss patients or weight gain patients because I see people trying to put on weight. Um, but I use it with most people. I'd say 90% of my patients. Yeah. And so it's really good to just to have those markers and see where they really need to focus their attention on. Yeah. You know, for example, if there's fatigue um, then and they've got low muscle quality and their low muscle mass well then obviously don't have enough energy centers to produce energy um, in like mitochondria so they need to really get working on that welcome to the metagenics best practice podcast standing on the shoulders of giants practitioner to practitioner conversations to inspire mentor and learn from if you are hankering for some insights into the workings of an experienced practitioner and eight-time author, this is a conversation for you to eavesdrop in on. Jan Purser is a naturopathic nutritionist at the incredibly successful Remedy Clinic in Perth. In her clinic, we discuss a broad range of topics. We meander from her trip recently to the US to train in the Dale Bredesen Recode Protocol to successfully treat Alzheimer's, through to how she uses bioelectrical impedance analysis in her practice, and then into how to write books, her in-clinic presentations that have a loyal following, new diet trends and the support tools she uses in practice. Come along for your insight journey. After our interview, Jan voiced an offer to coach practitioners through the process of writing their own book. So if this appeals to you, you can contact Jan directly. Jan, thank you so much for your time today. It's lovely to be here with you in the clinic at uh, Remedy in Perth. It's one of Australia's top clinics, did you know that? Oh. Well, it's yeah. good to know, isn't it? <laughs> good to know I'm in a good place. <laughs> you are in a good place. You've been here eight years. Yes. And the clinic's been open? Well, eight years from October uh, last year it was. Wow, okay. Mm. So doing well, good mm. sustainability. Yes, it's uh, a wonderful practice to work in mm. and it's a really good team of people. Yeah. And uh, it's so nice to work within a team of people. Mm. We all bounce ideas off each other and talk about latest seminars and research and... It's helpful. I did a uh, podcast with Siobhan Klassen that you might want to go back and have a listen to, listeners, um, at some stage. And Siobhan is the director here at Remedy. Mm. And she was saying you've got 13 staff, 13 yeah. on the team. We've got 13 practitioners and then we've got the reception staff. So oh, it's so quite a big team. Highly dynamic to work in. Mm, it just is. feeds the passion. Yes. Yeah. And speaking to you a little bit earlier, uh, speaking about passion... You have a passion for mental health, those sides of things, eating, Absolutely. food, people eating well. Mm. The first thing I saw when I came into the practice was a sign on the front door, you have a Wellness Wednesdays where mm. each practitioner is allocated a presentation per Wednesday that I understand. Yes. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the one you're doing coming up? Yeah, so um, the one I'm doing in a couple of weeks is really popular. Uh, and it's called How to Eat Like a Nutritionist in 10 Easy Steps. That's a great title, How to Eat Like a Nutritionist in 10 Easy Steps. Yeah, yeah. and um, I always get quite intrigued because so many people usually come to that 
uh, seminar and I usually say to them, well, you know, I know you're all here because you want to know how I eat, so <laughs> it's pretty exciting to be able to share that with you. Yeah. Um, but isn't it interesting? You know, people, um, they're drawn to that sort of topic. Yeah. But um, the one I did a few weeks ago was on thyroid health and boosting your metabolism, and that one's also yeah. really popular. So do you have a talk that you do each time that you re uh, redo each time so you have let's say two talks your thyroid talk and how to eat like a nutritionist mm. do you do the same talks over and over on a rotation is that how that works or yeah. you choose something different each time so I do six through the year usually okay so it's usually about every six weeks yep. give or take and uh, you know some of the other practitioners do their seminars as well um, so the topics that I talk about would be Alzheimer's um, thyroid um, the how to eat like a nutritionist, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, and uh, food intolerances. Yeah. And which is the most popular of those? Another one. How to eat like a nutritionist. Yeah. And oh, weight loss solutions. That's the last weight one. Weight loss solutions. Um, so they're all pretty popular, mm. and I'm always, you know, find that the how to eat like a nutritionist is pretty up there. Yeah. Who comes to those? Are they patients only or are they lay, you know, people outside the practice? So it's a mixture. Um, yeah. It's a, a mixture of uh, patients and it could be patients of other practitioners as well. Okay. And then there's general public. So people who've read about it or walked past and seen yeah. the, um, the notice or seen our Instagram or Facebook page. Or so is that how you market it, only social media? Do you don't do any... Else outside. We do. Um, I think we we do an ad in the local newspaper. Okay. Um, but not, you know, we don't do a lots of them. We'll do a, a, an ad of what's coming up over the next month or so. Right. So like a menu ad, so to speak. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I'd have to check with Joe on that. So. <laughs> mm. Wonderful. Yeah, and how so many people do you get to those on average? Oh, look, it varies. Um, it could be up to 30 people because we hold it out in our front waiting room so you can only hold so many people. Um, it's a very big waiting room though. It's a big yeah. showy yeah, area is probably the word I want to yeah. use, not showy. But it's, yeah, it's beautiful. Mm. Okay. And mm. do you have microphones and do you do it with slides or how does that uh, work? We usually do a PowerPoint presentation okay. and we don't have microphones so you have to project your, your voice. voice and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they're very popular. We've been doing them ever since we were open mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they are really popular and it's a yeah. great service to do for the community as well yeah. and for the patients because they're free seminars. Yeah. I would assume... They're free, are they? Okay. Mm. I would assume that if you've been doing them for eight years and there's been a rotation, that it's got quite a, a reputation in the local community. Mm. Uh, you can imagine a conversation, you know, someone comes over to somebody's house for dinner and they say, oh, I'm just so sick of carrying all this extra weight. Oh, you know, why don't you go down Remedy? You've got a mm. weight loss solutions yeah, talk. I'm sure there's some of that that goes on, which is really good. Yeah, yeah, you want that actually. Mm. It's and also on Facebook, you know, I've, I've noticed people say, you know, so-and-so, you should come to, with this, to this with me or, you know, so it gets around like that as well. Mm, in a powerful way, isn't it? Mm. That's just great to know that you're just helping people to be happier, healthier the whole way through. Mm. Yeah, mm. it is. And it yeah. also shows people what you do and what you have to offer. Yeah. And it's yeah. A, a good way for them to get a, an idea of what you're like yeah. and whether they'd like to see you. Um, yeah. So I think in, in terms of, you know, community number one, it's a community 
help and then number two it's a great marketing tool yeah yeah I think uh, for a lot of practitioners uh, it was quite popular I don't know how popular it is now to do it but they do a free 10 minute or 15 minute consultation so that's more of a getting to know you type of thing so the patients think oh yeah okay I'm I trust this person I have an affinity with this person and the practitioner can also ascertain whether that person is ready or not to go into the care that they offer and whether they're well suited mm. which is a great way to break down a barrier for people to feel that there's no commitment no obligation at that stage but you guys are doing it really well on a community base having mm. that with the numbers of people and uh, putting yourself as an expert in that field Anybody that stands up in front of somebody else and does a speech, does some sort of presentation, is always perceived as the expert. So mm. great branding for yeah. yourselves and also breaking that barrier down without the having to do 15-minute, 10, 15-minute free consultations one-on-one -on -one with all of those people that would come in potentially. Mm. I think personally I'd prefer to do the group one on yeah. you know, group sort of consultation. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, that's that's yeah. definitely looking at models, uh, how practitioners are working going forward, Australia and in the US, definitely mm -hmm. group models, uh, group education events, because it's much easier for the practitioner. And then there's also a bit of a camaraderie in the room and mm. people learning off other people. But it also saves the patient's money too, you know, for those paid ones, yes, that's the paid right. consultations. Yeah, yeah. I have um, thought about holding like workshop type um, situations where you've got groups of people coming for certain things. Mm. It's just a matter of fitting it all in because yeah. they would have to be on the weekend, I think. I just came from Marion Rubok's oh. clinic uh, yeah. just only round the corner from you and did, we did a podcast as well with her and she does do the workshops and she finds those fabulous mm. to do and the uh, the attendees they pay and it's only 45 minutes and and mm. she she loves doing those fitting those in it's a really great way to go actually that is good mm. yeah group group learning thought. yeah mm. yeah speaking of food now that is that your primary focus i would say whether I'm at work or not, it's my primary <laughs> focus. <laughs> I love food and I love good food. Yeah. And um, my and you, partner and I, we go out for dinner, you know, pretty regularly. And yeah. we met on a foodie trip. So um, Ooh, I'd say it's a big focus. Yeah. yeah. Your background was interesting. Um, were, you, were you a home ec? Before? I was a home economist. Home economist. Back okay. when I started. And yeah. I used to get comments like, oh, you'll make a good wife. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, and that was, and then you did t explain to me what was the Women's Weekly. I was a food editor with the Women's Weekly Test Kitchen for about six years, Ooh. and so with that, I was involved in um, you know the recipe development uh, or you know the cookbook. Uh, development and so forth and so those women's weekly cookbooks that most yeah. of us in Australia would know and love you you had an involvement I was in working those. on that yeah wow I'll be more special now that I know that yeah <laughs> you have to look for my old name um, so when I was there I kind of um, I realized that we were kind of influencing the way people eat and so I became aware that it wasn't such a good influence in some of the, t you know, some of the areas. So I really became interested in um, naturopathy. I actually saw an, a naturopath for a, a chronic health problem 
Um, and he said, you've got to leave that job, it's killing you. <laughs> and I thought, well, you've got to pay the bills, baby. This is before um, I studied natural therapies, but it was after seeing him and him putting me on a program and, um, you know, herbal medicine, and I just felt so good. And I was the only one who actually lost weight while we were working on the chocolate cookbook. <laughs> um, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. And uh, he was the one that really inspired me to go on and, and do some study. Wow. That's, that's mm. interesting how we all get into this industry in just different ways, isn't it? So yeah. many different, different ways to have that calling to help more people. Mm. Mm. One of the main reasons why I did want to specifically do this podcast with you was mm. my understanding that you run programs. Yes. Um, I know that your detox program is is good as soon as I say the word program there is a vast percentage of practitioners that the heckles raise on the back of their neck and they think on oh, programs they're just so cookie cutter I don't do that I treat as an individual mm. can you tell me about your programs I guess um, I don't actually sell it as a program so yep. I guess you know I'm not sure if you're aware of that but uh, I would get a patient to follow a, a detox protocol or program um, but it would be you know involved with their appointments that they're seeing me at so it's not just like a block does that make sense yeah um, yep. so I would put them onto you know the preliminary work with gut and then onto the um, detoxification facilitation you know supplements and mm. they'd be following a diet so I'd say a large percentage of my patients actually kick off with some kind of detoxy type program. So it's, is it quite structured? Uh, yeah, and well, of course I see a lot of people with gut problems or, you know, say my early Alzheimer's, um, early onset Alzheimer's patients or people wanting to prevent Alzheimer's because I'm seeing a lot of people, you know, with that goal in mind then I'm looking for all those drivers yes. and so if there's, you know, leaky gut or you know any other gut issues or um, you know heavy metal toxicity inflammation then I would be kicking off with a detox program okay and how long do you have a standard length of time for them do you have a usually depending what's going on so let's you know this is just say the person doesn't have gut parasites or something like that yeah it's not an overt or a, a yeast overgrowth or yeah. whatever. But let's just say it's a standard one, then we'd be looking at at least four weeks. Okay, all right. And how do you run that? Do you do, um, do, do they prepay for those or is it just still in the appointment? It's still in the appointment. Okay. Yeah, yep. I haven't gone down the route of actually getting people to pay for a program. I did initially start that with my Alzheimer's work and then I decided it was less complicated not to only because some patients wanted to have blood tests done through um, the GP and others were happy to pay for the whole package so it was, it was just easier to split it up. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's through their appointments and then I would set them off in their protocol and they'd come back and see me in two weeks, usually after starting, and then the, the fortnight after that. So I'd get that follow-up from them. Mm. And you said the majority of your patients would go through a detox? I would say so. Yeah. A, a detox of some sort. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, whether it's... Well, let's just say... Uh, yeah, it would be a, like a 
gut a gut clean-up campaign sort of detox mm. or it's a liver detox campaign helping with heavy metals um, or it might be just doing a mini detox if they're doing weight loss with me and they, they've plateaued a bit so yep. that's to kick them on again yep. um, so it varies depending on each person yeah and do you have a standard run of uh, products that you use for those? Mm. So okay. uh, I mix it up a bit, yeah. um, but I do use quite a bit of Metagenics okay. um, products. I use, um, you know, I'm still a good favourite of the Ultra Bioplex. Yeah, yeah. And that was from the uh, old detox sort of protocol yeah. for Metagenics, and I really like that, um, particularly for some patients, because yeah. um, it helps to really boost their gut immunity. Yeah. Um, so I might bring that in, uh, and the Digestex and yeah. um, Thermophase, mm. and I might use a instead of Thermophase, I might use a competitor's product. Yep. But uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, depending on what's going on, I'd bring in the Gtox. Mm. But um, you know, lately I've been doing the Thermophase and the Gtox together. Yeah and been getting some really good results with that. I love the film phase and G-Tox. It's a good breakfast, just as a standard, I, mm. I think, anyway. It's, it's most days how I start my, my day. I can't avoid the toxins, but I can definitely do something about the uh, mm. getting them out of my body. I think that's the thing, mm. isn't it? I was listening to something recently when you are talking about ultra-bioplex. So the ultra-bioplex contains lactoferrin mm. in there, and one of our most crucial nutrients um, or compounds in our body for detox is glutathione. Mm. And they were saying on the podcast, now they've found that you know, this whole thing about glutathione and you know, bioavailability and so forth, is they found that if you actually take glutathione with lactoferrin, it actually increases the, the uptake, the bioavailability of it. So There you go. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I'm going to go back and have a look at that a little bit more myself, actually. Yeah. See where that rolls. Mm. Put my N-acetylcysteine or glutathione in with the... Uh, well, that's the thing. So, you know, for um, patients with heavy metal toxicity, I'd usually use the NAC, um, and I might also use something like uh, the Metox drops, which is a phenomenon. Well, a lot of people don't even know what those are. The yeah. old Metox drops, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I particularly use that with children with heavy metal yeah. um, toxicity because I find it's a really good, gentle way of helping. Mm you know, the kiddies that I see with autism or ADHD yep. to reduce the um, metal mm. load? It is a phenolic, it is a homeopathic, and I used to use truckloads of it myself in practice mm. um, because it was just so easy and so impactful. Uh, but there are people out there that don't believe that homeopathics could potentially have mm. that impact. I know, aren't they silly? <laughs> I mean, you see the evidence in the, the results in clinic and yeah. um, that's all I care about. If, if they're getting results, then it's working. Yeah. Um, you know, same as um, I use the Phenol 2 and the Enviro 2 for uh, hay fever and allergies. Um, you know, I had one patient, she had a dreadful allergy to dogs, and I, that was all I put her on was those. And she rang me, and she was amazed that... Um, that her allergies had completely calmed down. So which one, which two were those? The Enviro 2 and... Phenol 2 and the Enviro 2. Phenol 2, yeah. So the Enviro 2 is kind of dust and pollens and animal dander and whatnot. Mm. Mm. And what time frame did you see that in? That was just like in a, a week or two. Wow. This is some years ago. Um, yeah. 
But I, I remembered it because she was so thrilled that she um, rang me. Yeah. Uh, you know, these days I might combine that with something like allergies. Yep. And then I'd be looking for leaky gut, of course, and working on that. Yeah, we just know so much more now, don't we, than we used to do. That's what I love, you know. Yeah, yeah. You never get bored with it. It's, there's always so much to learn and new research. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So what do you think you're known for? Like you working in a clinic where there are 13 other practitioners, somebody walks in the door wanting help. How does that, which I'm just curious, how does that get allocated to a practitioner? Is there a pre-screening where they go, you'd be better with that practitioner or you'd be better mm. with this practitioner? If, if they didn't come with a referral or anything like that. So the girls, um, the new patients talk to the receptionists mm. out the front or the you know, prospective patients. Um, and they would ask them, you know, just for, you know, a broad idea of what they might need help with. Mm -hmm. And then the reception girls know who specialises in what. Mm -hmm. So um, there's only a couple of us here that uh, see patients with cancer, for example. So okay. that's myself and one of the other practitioners. Yep. I didn't mention that before. Um, or, you know, uh, if there was, say women's fertility problems then there's a couple of practitioners that do more of that sort of work okay if there's uh, children with autism uh, or adhd then they probably uh, end up with me and same with alzheimer's of course or yeah. alzheimer's pre prevention that yeah. that'd be with me um, and then gut health we all do gut health and we all do you know thyroid and um that sort of thing. The, the common things. Yeah. Yeah. The, the regular yeah. things. And adrenal health, we all tend to cover that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So with your Bredesen training that you did, Dale Bredesen, um, that is in the States and yeah. you went to that last year. Yeah, I did that in March last year. And at that time, and still, um, it's held in conjunction with the Institute of Functional Medicine. Okay, and still Dale with Bredesen. IFM? Yeah. Okay. So since then, they've actually made it available online, um, which is pretty exciting for people who'd like to do it but can't get to the US. Yeah. I have to say, though, I'm really happy I did it in the US. It's, I think there's something about being there and, yeah. Yeah. you know, in that environment with all these um, other practitioners. Yeah. It was terrific. Yeah, yeah there's, a few, there's a few practitioners, not many, I will say, in Australia that have done that training. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's, that's another way to put yourself into a, you know, marketable bracket as well. Mm. Well, Definitely. I've certainly been sought out because I've done the training and I'm an accredited Bredesen practitioner, Recode practitioner. Recode practitioner. And just, just the, the um, Bredesen website, if they have a find a practitioner option, is that how people are finding you? I believe they do. Um, I haven't gone and investigated myself, so but yes, they found me. So let's say if somebody wants to sign up for the Recode um, work, mm -hmm. uh, then they can look for a practitioner near them. Mm -hmm. And there's only a few of us in Perth that are doing it. Okay. And so you know, literally, they choose somebody from, you know, who's available in Perth, I guess. Yeah. Mm. And is that a? I mean, I understand that there are so many different drivers for. Um, Alzheimer's and you've got your, is you still work on four main types of Alzheimer's? There's uh, one, two, three, well it goes one, uh, one A, two, three, uh, four, five. 
Okay, so five types of Alzheimer's. So do they have, once, okay, you have type four, then do you go into a type four protocol? Is that what happens for the patients? Yeah. Well, you might be predominantly, say, type three, for example, mm-hmm. uh, which is toxic. Yeah. Um, but you would have type one bits in there, which is inflammation, you know, you might have a bit of type 1A, which is glycotoxic. So if you had blood glucose problems, then you might be a bit of that as well. But you'd be, you tend to be sort of predominantly leaning more towards one. Yeah. But, you know, people generally, they don't fit in boxes. No. <laughs> so it's a general guide. And then what you're always looking at the whole time like most things, is what are the underlying drivers and you start working from the bottom up, if you like. Okay. So yeah. um, resolving the drivers or, mm-hmm. you know, for example, healing leaky gut, um, you know, calming down the inflammation, mm-hmm. uh, helping with detoxification to reduce the toxic load. So all of those sorts of things. Yeah. There was, I noticed when you came in, you showing me, we're looking first at your report of findings that you give to you general patients where you do that up which is if I think if practitioners are not delivering a report of findings I think they're doing their patients a disservice it's my personal opinion but mm-hmm. there's just that it just it puts yourself as an expert and it shows that you're in the driving seat and you know where you're going and you know how to get them to where they want to go and I think that's a really important starting base to establish yourself as an expert in the eyes of the mm. patient that you're dealing with um Dale Bredesen's The Recode program has also a report of findings that you that yes. you give up that's generated. Yeah, so yeah. the patient actually signs up for the Recode and uh, then they contact their practitioner and then the practitioner organises all their tests mm-hmm. and then uh, the data from the test results all goes into the Recode software okay. and then the um, that actually generates report. And this has all been designed by Bredesen and his... Um, people yeah and uh, so it, it's a really helpful so mm-hmm. um, let's say uh, you know if you're not quite sure which area you, you should go for first it will say you know start with this and then work with that and mm-hmm. and so it's really helpful and yeah. gives specific um, dosages for nutritional medicine and herbal medicine okay um, and also dietary and livestock um, suggestions things that you know as a naturopath you might already come up with but uh, say for functional medicine GPs um, or integrative medicine GPs who are new to functional medicine it could be really helpful Um, but I find it really helpful anyway because you know it's kind of interesting to see what um, Bredesen or Dale my guru um, what he might suggest you know which way to go for it. The other thing I love about it is that um, every month Dale has a a webinar for his recode practitioners Mm -hmm. so it's an hour you can send in any questions and uh, he'll go through all of the questions and answer them uh, so that you you know if there's anything that you need to know then you know that it's going to get answered and I think that's a pretty great service that he does I think it's a great service actually Mm. because it would be just something that everyone's going to learn from yeah no matter what Plus, um, you know, here's MP, uh, MP cognition people, um, 
that you can email them as a practitioner, um, you know, Bredesen practitioner, then you can email uh, for support and things mm. that you need going going along, which is really good. Yeah. Does mm. he have product lines? No, not his own specific product lines. Okay, so then you're free to use whatever products that you want to be using yeah. within that. They are affiliated with a, a company in the UK, but um, it's quite cost prohibitive uh, mm. for Australians. So um, what I've been doing is I've been getting a nutritional uh, medicine compounded Okay. If it's not something that's kind of simple, mm. and then I've been using, you know, the practitioner-only products to accompany that. There's a couple of things that aren't available here, so, um, you know, if I think that the patient might benefit from that, then um, they might go elsewhere for it, overseas. Okay. Where do you get your compounding from? Um, Point Walter, a pharmacy. Okay, so you do it through a compounding pharmacy? Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, um, you know, that might be if they need, you know, a whole range of different minerals and perhaps vitamins or, you know, things like that, so where it's easier just to get it put in capsules for the patient yeah. so it's, they're not kind of dealing with multitudes of supplements. Mm. The most um, I can do, you know, if I can do that, it helps to uh, reduce the shock value for how many things they might have to take. Yeah. So it's a pretty extensive uh, prescription for the um, protocols? It, it can be okay. for complex patients, yeah. yeah. But um, generally what I do though is I, I really start with the initial priorities. You know, let's say if there's leaky gut and inflammation, then I'd just be working on that. Mm. And then once I've done some gut work, um, you know, if, if I need to do some detoxification, then I would bring that in and make okay. that sort of a longer, slower burn rather than a fast, yeah. you know, fast project. And that way it's much more manageable. So I'm kind of Talking in that way, I'm comparing the way that I would work compared with, say, you know, a recode mm. um, prescription. Again, you know, with a recode prescription, you can opt to just start slowly and, and bring things in. Yeah. But generally, the patient wants to get cracking. Mm. Yes, I think they do. They come in, they're so inspired and motivated. And, and I think a lot of the time they're, they're motivated by hope. You know, it's just, oh, my goodness, there's somebody that can help me and there's somebody that's an expert in this field. Well, that's right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, seeing improvements and seeing people um, manage so much better yeah. and feel better yeah. uh, and get a bit of their old selves back again, mm -hmm. you know, that's pretty inspiring. It'd be inspiring for their loved ones as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you do in-house testing for any of the, the work that you're doing? Do you... Yeah. So um, we're still using Hemaview. Yep, fabulous. I love Hemaview. I think it's really helpful. Yeah. Um, VLA. Um, so um, we're not using the quad scan. Um, Yet. I'd like Yet. to. <laughs> we'll talk to Siobhan about that one. <laughs> we've, got a, we've got a VLA in Perth just this week. Mm, I know. I'm sure I could fit you in. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been using VLA since about 2004, so... Yeah. Um, I use that with all my patients um, and of course you know checking their zinc and mm. that sort how of thing. Does, how do you find, sorry to interrupt, how do you find, just going back to the VLA, how do you find that uh, fits in with a protocol like or fits in with a presentation of Alzheimer's? 
Well, basically I'm looking for, you know, low muscle quality and, and high cellular fluid balance. So I'm looking okay. for those sorts of fluid retention and um, inflammation, the markers that yeah. to suggest, you know, um, inflammation and toxicity and so forth. Mm. So I'm basically looking at that just to get, you know, more of an overall picture of what's going on for the person. Mm. Does that do they find that that's useful themselves? Do mm. they look at that and then they can does it put pieces together for them or what? How does that? How do you find they receive it for the uh, for the let's say if it's a person with Alzheimer's but but they're a bit further along, mm-hmm. it's probably not so. They probably don't get it, but their carers do. You know whether it's their okay. husband or wife or or daughter. They certainly understand, you know, what I'm talking about when I talk about the results. Mm. But let's say if it's um, early onset Alzheimer's, so they're still with it, um, you know, very cognitive, um, or people wanting to prevent Alzheimer's, they certainly understand it and it, it's motivating for them. Was, the reason I was asking was just because so many practitioners think, oh, it's no use me doing VLA, I don't do... They don't do fat loss, it's just not my thing. So. Oh, and I use it for everybody. It yeah. doesn't matter if they've got fat loss or, um, you know, obviously I use it with weight loss patients or weight gain patients because I see people trying to put on weight. Um, but I use it with most people. I'd mm-hmm. say 90% of my patients. Yeah. And so it's really good to just to have those markers and see where they really need to focus their attention on. Yeah. You know, for example... If there's fatigue, um, then and they've got low muscle quality and they low muscle mass, well, then obviously don't have enough energy centres to produce energy, um, you know, like mitochondria, so they need to really get working on that. Mm. Yes, a bit challenging putting that muscle mass on, though, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's much easier to put fat on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it sometimes is. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what areas are you specifically passionate about? What if, what's, what keeps you going? If you've been in this industry for, what did you say, 96? 97 I started. 97. Yeah. Um, so that's 20 years now. What, what keeps you going? Uh, what keeps me going? Oh, helping people, yeah. you know. Um, but um, really seeing results and, you know, the things that people say, you know, that you've really helped so much and mm. if they hadn't seen me or somebody like me, then they'd be really chronically unwell. So that's what drives me. Mm. But my specific areas of interest, if that's what you mean, you know, it's um, obviously Alzheimer's, uh, gut work and mm. uh, supporting people through cancer treatments and post-cancer. Um, kids with autism, yeah. kids just generally. I love working with kids. Yep. Um, I've got adults, young adults with autism too, so it's not just children. Yeah. Um, I think we often forget about that, don't we? We forget the children have got to grow up. Mm. So I've, yeah. I've got uh, more young adult um, patients with autism now, which is really good. Yeah. And they're so good to work with. Um, and, uh, you know, thyroid and so forth. Yeah. Weight loss. Mm. So I'm trying to think what my, my favourite, you know, pretty much all the things that I teach at seminars about would be yeah. my key areas. Yeah. Mm. The uh, issue, I don't know if you want to call it issue, when we're talking about food and talking about ADHD, um, autism, is compliance with diet requirements. How do you get around that? 
Uh, I guess, uh, you know, I think it was at uh, one of the congresses, Metagenics mm-hmm. Congresses, and it was Dr. Bock. Yep. And he said that you have to think that the brain is on fire when those kids have foods that they're intolerant to and they're actually going to crave those foods and it's going to take at least six months off those foods strictly before you can really assess if it's helping. So that's literally what I say to the parents and um, you know, because they say, oh, well, we're mostly gluten-free or mostly casein-free. And I'll say, well, mostly it's just not good enough because every time that your child has that, it's like putting a match to the, the flame again. So and it's a frightening visual, isn't it, that your child's brain is on fire. Mm. You know, that's got to make parents stop and really consider mm. what they're doing. So, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I, I said that to one of my newer autism patients' parents, mm. and, uh, you know, I could just hear the penny drop, clonk. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've really got to get it. Um, that, and, uh, and the way I explained it too, as I said, he's not like you and me who can get away with it. His body's not functioning as best it could, and what we need to do is turn down the fire so that we can help his brain to function better. Mm. And they've been then obviously more motivated to stick oh, to the absolutely. program. Have you seen a change since? Well, we're in the process of getting you know various tests done yep. and uh, assessments and then I'll be giving my suggestions on what we need to do on top of what I've already got them doing. Yeah. 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 It's a lifelong thing really, isn't it, for those sorts of conditions? It is. And... You know, with uh, autism and ADHD, the earlier you can get onto it and the most um, compliance you can get for it, the better results you're going to get. Having started out, having a whole history, excuse me, having a whole history of food in your life, in your career, and starting back in the, let's say, early 90s, you would have seen massive change in the way that we're told to eat by the media and what's acceptable as healthy. I mean, I remember back in the 90s myself, I think about 92, 90, yeah, or actually even before that, uh, people were just so afraid of eating any fats, any oh. oils at all, and it was all, mm. you know, pasta was great for you, and so everyone knows that story. Recently, there's been so many other changes. There's a new diet every year that people are on, you know, FODMAPs free or, um, paleo or whatever it happens to be where do you sit with all of those changes how you know having such a close affinity and such an interest with food specifically mm. as a practitioner it's a good question uh, amazing changes and you know when I was with the women's weekly I was working on low-fat cookbooks <sighs> um, that really that bothers me now to think about it um, where I sit now, I'm definitely on the lower carb spectrum and lower sugar spectrum and more healthy fats and um, particularly with my Alzheimer's patients, um, the ketogenic approach uh, mm. with some of the cancer patients, the ketogenic approach depending on what, where they're at. Um, and uh, so I think, you know, let's say in my talk 
uh, in a couple of weeks on how to eat like a nutritionist I'll be really bringing it home you've got to eat low carb and the older you get the more you've got to concentrate on that mm-hmm. because you know your blood glucose metabolism isn't going to work as well as you get older particularly if you're genetically prone to have some issues in that area mm. Mm. so that's where I see it so that is a big shift, isn't it? And I think a lot of us have moved that way as well. What about the three meals a day, the fasting? Oh, the, yes. Back when I trained in the 90s, you know, you had to eat small, regular meals, mm. which now we know for most people keeps them in an insulinogenic state because mm. you've constantly got these, you know, you yeah, don't get spikes. a chance to have the break That's right. at all. So where, where do you sit on the three meals a day, six small meals a day, fasting side of things from what you've seen. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, I was very inspired by Michael Mosley's work on the fast diet. And that was at a time when I was seeing lots of weight loss patients and some of them just wouldn't, you know, I couldn't get them to uh, reduce much weight until I brought in the 5-2 like healthy five too, not eat everything you want on five and <laughs> starve on two. Um, so mostly, you know, for some people it has to be low carb all the way and then two lower car- calorie days on top of that and mm. then they get really good results. Mm. Um, so these days I'm getting people to do more of that yeah. um, but particularly um, with people with uh, let's say metabolic syndrome, Alzheimer's or blood glucose issues, um, which of course is part of metabolic syndrome, um, and uh, inflammation, you mm. know, any sort of conditions where it's a bit inflammatory, then I'd be getting them to uh, fast mm. overnight yeah. um, for at least 14 hours. Yeah. Um, and I find that's really helpful uh, for switching off things that are going a bit haywire. Mm. It's not hard to do that fast either. You know, if you no. eat it, say you eat at six o'clock at night, then you don't have breakfast until eight o'clock in the morning. That gives you your. Well, not many six. people eat by six at night. So usually it's, um, you know, if you finished dinner by 7.30, then you can't eat till around. Uh, whatever that is, nine thirty. Nine thirty. That's not that hard, really. Yeah, to it, actually do. It's a it's a different mindset, mm. and uh, oh, one of my pet hates is this bulletproof coffee and people being told they're fasting when they're having bulletproof coffee. You're not fasting when you're having bulletproof coffee. All right. Anything that's got calories in it is a food. Yeah. So butter, coconut oil. Um, have calories and lots and mm. so you are literally switching off the fast yeah so that's my message to everybody out there <laughs> <laughs> thinks they're fasting so the yeah. coffee without the uh, black without coffee the oil or black tea yeah that's fine yeah um, or you know herbal tea but um, so I try and get people to understand that by doing that um, you know having that length of time from when they finish dinner to when they break the fast the next day they're actually helping to um, reset repair uh, and regenerate anything that's going wrong mm. um, and that just made me think too about getting good sleep and adequate sleep uh, particularly for brain health because mm. your brain heals and repairs during the night yeah. and so you need to focus on that too. Yeah. You have a very thorough 
program and a very grassroots, you know, good basics with what you know what we've been talking about. I think if I was sitting here thinking, if I was to be your patient, I would be, you know, I imagine that you would be giving me all of this sort of advice as to what I needed. How do you present that? Do you present it in a booklet? Do you have a something that's pre pre um, prepared? Is this mm. how how does that look? Well, um, you've seen my, let's say, my Alzheimer's report of findings, so that's all laid out what I want them to do. Um, for other patients, I give them a typed to-do list. I call it my to-do list. It yep. doesn't say to-do. Um, but it's, you know, lifestyle, you know, any tests that I want them to get done, then the supplement prescription if they're on supplements. So it's, it's there. And you know to be honest that's more for my benefit (laughs) so I can remember what I've told them (laughs) to do Um, but I give them that and I might give them handouts so um, let's say if they're doing a digestive repair program I'd give them usually the our remedy one or I'd give them the um, metagenics patient booklet I use the patient booklet, the wellness, guide to wellness. Um, The little blue one. The little blue booklet. I give that a lot to patients. Um, So I make use of the Metagenics ones. I like them because I like the way it's set out. I use the Shake It booklet a lot. Do you? Okay. Yep. Mm. Do you um, do you personalise those or individualise those? Yes. So, yep. so it's be, just not here you go, everybody's on the same thing. It's yeah. I want to cross those things out. I don't want you to eat and add the things and I do want you to eat. Yeah. Yeah. I so recommend it that way. I definitely write little notes on it and plus I'll add things on their uh, to do lists that I've typed up for them during mm. the consultation. Um and uh, yeah, we we have handouts on all sorts of things and I've got, you know, like my own list of handouts. So I give them as much information, hopefully without overwhelming them, as possible. Yeah. And uh, I'm a real stickler for the old dreaded food diary, so I'll get them to fill out the food diary and email it to me or bring it back. Or Is that for your, is that for your insight or is it for their mindfulness? Yes and yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so partly, um, you know, let's say if they're getting headaches or gut pain or whatever, it helps me to do the detective work and just see, um, you know, what's a trigger or what I think might be a trigger. or, And it's very really helpful, actually. Mm. I've always done that and i found that really a really good thing to do. Yeah. So you can see correlations, which makes them aware mm. of their poor choices in life. Yeah, well, that too. And then, say, with weight loss patients, because I do get some patients to do the HCG diet, which is really strict. Uh, And if they put on weight overnight, um, they can tend to panic. Usually it's because they've had something salty, so it's usually pretty simple. Um, But it helps me just to say, look, well, you ate that. You ate prawns, for example, and prawns are very salty, just naturally, and you would have retained fluid. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. It, it's helpful to um, be able to point simple things out like that. Yeah, you can always stick them onto the VLA and uh, get the BIA done and mm. see where those fluid shifts have happened as well. Oh, yes, I use that all the time. It's a good lie detector, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> every appointment. Oh, do you? Every appointment? Okay. Yeah, for the weight loss patients, yeah. Yeah, yeah. fabulous. You've written a book. Yeah, I've written a few. You've written a few books? Yeah. Oh, how many have you written? Eight. Eight? 
I did not. Uh, excuse me, I didn't okay. have written that many. <laughs> so, how do you use those for your marketing? For you um, setting yourself as a, an expert in the field, or do you just feel you've just got to put this information out there? Uh, well, uh, I've written a detox cookbook, so that was a while ago now. And then I wrote um, that was in with a friend of mine, who Cathy um, Snowball, who used to be the director at Gourmet Traveller, mm-hmm. my foodie friend. Um, and uh, we ate, um, ate and we ate it as well. Um, <laughs> we wrote the Eat Well cookbook, which was gluten free and dairy free, uh, and that was about food sensitivities and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I guess you know they're there and they're they're on my website and if you Google Jan Purser, the books come up and okay. Well, if we we I'll put your website onto the show notes so practitioners can jump on and have a look and if they want to get them from there then they can do that. Well, they can have a look. Um, so some of those books are still um, on the market, mm-hmm. um, but there's a few cookbooks. I wrote a meditation book uh, at one point because I was teaching a lot of meditation when I was working in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a blender drinks book and a juices book. And Okay. Mm. Sounds like you've been having a lot of fun doing all of that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And there was a couple of like cookbooks. So I did a, uh, worked on a wonderful Indian cookbook. So it's not health related. It was, um, you know, back when I was kind of had my feet in both camps, you know, food and health, um, yeah. and that was a terrific. I wrote uh, that with a chef from uh, Sydney who I'm good friends with, Ajoy Joshi. So that was a wonderful book to work on. A um, couple of things like that. Mm. Do, you, do you patients um, get access to the books? Can they purchase them or do, how, do you, how do you...? We sell the detox cookbooks here okay. and um, you can get the other books online. Okay, fabulous, mm. fabulous. It's it's just the thing these days is once you've got a book under your belt, it just seems to give so much more marketability, so much credibility, more credibility to to what you're doing. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is, having not yet written a book, is that it's not about the money you earn from the book. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish I was like Stephanie Alexander, for example, who sold zillions of her fabulous um, kitchen companion. Uh, no, uh, it's not about the money, honey. It's about um, the need or the urge to put something into a book and, and share it with people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it also help with your marketing. That also well. really helps with your marketing. And your self-branding. I think too, you know, whenever you're, you know, let's say if you're presenting seminars or teaching practitioners or writing a book, you learn so much. So your own mm. knowledge increases with everything like yeah. that you do. Yeah. So I never um, resent having to do anything like that because it's it's really terrific. Yeah. Yeah. If we meander down the uh, book conversation way, uh, my feeling for people that think, oh, I should write a book, but I'm not an expert in the field. I should write a book, or I really think I need to have a book under my belt for more credibility or whatever their reasoning is, but I just don't know enough about on the topic. Going and putting a book together, you actually can't, just, it's not everything in your brain. It, you, you have to do extra research, you have to do extra 
information sourcing to put all of that together. Absolutely. Um, and all the authors that I've had the privilege of meeting haven't. It's not just. A, it's not a brain dump. It's not a data dump from their understanding of what they know. Mm. It's starting a as a base mm. and a lot of research. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of research and pulling it all together. Yeah. I think I probably. Um, managed it well because I used to work on cookbooks so I was familiar with what you had to do to start with the concept and and I could see it in the layout you know I could just work out how it should be laid out and mm. and so um, you know like the design sort of layout that's what I'm talking about there yeah. uh, and you know like different components that you need to put together so I was already cluey in that area from my previous work mm. and I think that helped a lot so yeah. it's never felt that daunting to actually get on with it. Have you ever thought about putting yourself out there into the arena the practitioner arena as a coach on how to do that? Ooh, that's a nice idea. Yeah, I'd be happy think to about do that. it. Mm. You'd be happy to do that? Mm. think you might have a few phone calls. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think it is really um, a good idea to, uh, if you have the urge to put something into a book, I think you've got to do it. Mm. It's like um, I paint one morning a week and I absolutely have to do that. It's If I don't paint at least once a week, then I feel yuck. Don't feel fulfilled. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, um, and I think it's the same thing if you have that urge to create something or... So it is a creative exercise, then you've got to do it. Okay. Jan Persum, practitioner coach, practitioner author coach. <laughs> <laughs> How to put, put a book together. Mm. Is there anything else that is on your radar that, as we've been talking that you've been thinking that I've, you know, I'd like to add this or I'd like to talk about that? Is there anything else that you want to add in that rounds things out, fills in any gaps? I think uh, I think it's so important to follow your heart in the areas that call you. Mm. I was going to ask you, cause the podcast title is Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. Mm. So on that basis then, is that, what you, is that your piece of advice? To for practitioners? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think you've got to follow your heart. To what calls you so for me I um, saw Dale Bredesen speaking at Congress uh, in 2016 and I got absolute goosebumps and I just knew that was where I needed to go and it was you know it felt like I don't know whatever you want to call it anyway divine intervention uh, a little bit mm. I think you've got to listen to your intuition uh, you know, I have some personal reasons why I'm, I'm called to it, but what Dale was saying just kind of got me right where you need to be got. <laughs> My language sometimes is terrible. But anyway, um, to really get your juices going. And so usually... Um, if I get goosebumps when I'm listening to something like that, I know that my juices are going and, hey, I'd better look into that a bit more. Mm. So you think that'll be the direction you'll go now, focusing more the next part of your career will be Alzheimer's? I think, yeah, well, I'm definitely heading that, that way or I've headed that way, um, but I'll still do my other 
bits. Mm. I don't really like variety, so I don't think I could do just Alzheimer's. Um, mm. But I'd say it's probably going to be a big part of what I do. Mental health. Yeah. What about a mental health cookbook? Do you know, I've thought about it. And I think I need to do my painting. <laughs> but I am happy to um, support anybody else doing it. It kind of, you know, I guess um, that you get to a point where you think, well, I've done a lot of that and now I just want to focus on, you know, the areas that I enjoy doing and, um, and then my, a bit of my me time and... I think I've got a good balance going at the minute. You do sound very balanced <laughs> and you're very relaxed. So obviously you're still meditating and keeping balanced with all of that as well. Yeah, I think living near the beach helps with that. Mm. Mm. Living the good life. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. not a bad one. Yeah. Thanks, Jen, so much for your time today. It's been lovely having a chat. Thanks, Angela. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast. Find us on iTunes and leave a review. Join our Practitioner-Only Metagenics Facebook group to be informed of new podcast releases, keep up to date with key industry updates and more. Visit metagenics.com.au to find useful links and resources relating to this podcast and sign up to our e-newsletter.